Game day here on Gamecock Central Radio. Emerson Phillips with Wes Mitchell. We'll also hear today from Colin Taylor, our staff writer with GamecockCentral.com. And we'll get to look at the Texas A&M perspective today from Mark Passwaters from AggieYell.com. Glad to have you along, everybody. Wes, how you doing today, bud? I'm good, man. Another game day. Uh, season's flying by, dude. Week five. Huh. Uh, it's hard to believe. It seems like it just started, huh? Yeah, it's crazy how fast it goes by every year. So, Wes, the Gamecocks with a long road trip today to College Station playing at Kyle Field, 7.30 tonight against Texas A&M. And this is a very intriguing matchup to me, Wes. You know, both teams come in with the same record, 3-1. and one, But the Gamecocks obviously really struggled last week with Louisiana Tech, shut out for three quarters, rallied to score 17 in the fourth and win that ball game. And A&M, you know, I'm wondering if they got on track last week. I know they gave up a ton of points in that overtime win over Arkansas. But, you know, three weeks ago, Wes, when A&M lost to UCLA and blew that huge lead, you know, it looked like the wheels could come off of their season very quickly. But they've regrouped to win three in a row. And they got this freshman quarterback, Kellen Mond, that played very well against Arkansas. And I feel like A&M's on the uptick. Yeah, they are. You know, I I think, um, wow, you look at this program, man, it's kind of, uh, uh, I don't know what the words are, like it seems like there's always some type of drama around Texas A&M. Hmm. Uh, there's always something in the headlines around Texas A&M. But hey, at the same time, man, those guys have won. You know, Will, Will Muschamp made the point that uh, someone, uh, you know, has won pretty much as much or more than anybody that's ever been their coach there. If you look at his number of wins during his first, you know, five or six years there, so and compare it to to the previous coaches, so. Uh, you know, it always seems to be uh, something going on there, and that was obviously a weird game to start the year. They very easily could be sitting at 4-0 right now, but, um, you know, Kellen Mine, I think, has sort of settled in as their quarterback. He still is a, a rookie, you know. He makes some freshman mistakes, but um, you can see the talent. This is a freshman that was in there for spring practice, so it's not like he's completely brand new to everything, and you know, South Carolina's going to be tested this week, man. A&M, if you, can, if you look at the recruiting rankings, they consistently are bringing in athletes. This is going to be a fast, athletic team that South Carolina plays. And even though A&M hasn't been great on defense, their defense is still loaded with special athletes. So uh, not an easy matchup for South Carolina. The Gamecocks have never beaten Texas A&M and are 0-3 against the Aggies since A&M joined the SEC A&M is now the Gamecocks' permanent West Division opponent. And, West, the Gamecocks are battling injuries this week. Two starting linemen out and, you know, two key players, one on both sides of the ball with Debo Samuel out again this week and Bryson Allen Williams out with that shoulder. Gamecocks are shorthanded going to College Station. Yeah, they are. And, you know, I think if if we just started a list of the top five Gamecocks that they couldn't really afford to lose this year, I think, uh, you know, Debo Samuel – Zach Bailey and Bryce Allen Williams would all three be on that list, maybe along with uh, with probably Sky Moore and Jake Bentley. So uh, I think uh, not only have they had injuries, but it's been key guys, it's been veteran guys that um, you know all were sort of preseason um, in, in that all SEC conversation. So it, you know I, I think it hurts. Obviously, like uh, Muschamp keeps saying, uh, you know nobody nobody's going to feel sorry for South Carolina, but it, it certainly hurts them. Um, you know, they'll also be without Corey Helms this week, their, uh, you know, starting guard. But you, you know what? I, I went back. Every time I watched the Darius Hutcherson, who um, they actually slid him in at left guard 
and moved Donnell Stanley over to right guard when when Helms got hurt. And I, I thought the kid played pretty well. That was actually Sedari Touchdown's really first career playing time, and, and I thought he did an outstanding job. Now the competition obviously ratchets it up a little bit this week, but you're starting to see you know, some of these replacements. You, you saw Ortrade Smith have another touchdown catch. That's two weeks in a row he's had a touchdown catch. He's gotten his snaps have gone up from about, you know, maybe 10 or so a game to 40-something this past week. So these guys are, are going to have to play. They're going to have to go make something happen. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Daniel Fennell played a bunch more this past week against Tech. He had a couple of quarterback pressures, his first career sack. And then I, I even looked at Brad Johnson as a freshman that we talked about a lot in preseason that we haven't seen much of once the season started. I think as this season goes on, look for Brad Johnson to probably see his playing time go up as well because they're going to need that quick twitch off the edge that Bryce Allen Williams brought to the table. Wes, one aspect of this game that I think maybe I have not given enough credence to this week is the fact that Muschamp spent so much time at Texas and was the head coach in waiting there, and he's got a reputation among Texas A&M fans. I don't think he's a very popular figure uh, among the Aggies crowd. And, you know, Muschamp has game-planned pretty well, at least defensively, against A&M teams that he's faced in years past. So that gives the Gamecocks a little bit of hope? You know, I, I think so. I um, Generally, it, it seems like, for the most part, South Carolina's defenses under Will Muschamp uh, give the Gamecocks a chance so to speak. Um, you know, you can pick out a couple of games, obviously uh, Clemson last year will come to mind, where, where they did. But um, in a, a lot of times when we start talking offense and we start thinking, sh- you know, shootouts, must chance defenses find a way to keep South Carolina or, or keep his team in the game. You know, I, I went back and looked. Obviously last year, Texas A&M comes in, pretty high-powered offense. They're held to 24 points. Uh, you go back to Muschamp's most recent stay at Auburn. Um, his Auburn defense held A&M to just 10 points, so that was a high-flying you know, attack from A&M, and, and Auburn won that game. And then you go back to, uh, I think it was 2012. you got to go a, a pretty far you know, back to early in the tenure for Muschamp at Florida, and um, he held A&M to, I, I think it was 17 points in a win, and, and that A&M team, um, ended up averaging like 40 points a game or something insane. So, so Muschamp has sort of found a way to slow down these A&M offenses. Now, um, you know, does that mean necessarily that they'll be able to do that later on tonight? I, I don't know. It's going to be tough. They have athletes across the board. Christian Kirk, to me, this guy's right up there with, with what Debo Samuel was for South Carolina. Um, you know, I, I kept saying over and over, if you kick to Debo Samuel, you're an idiot. And uh, I think with, with Chris and Kurt, this guy already has, uh, I think, five returns for touchdowns in his career. Most, most of those coming on punt returns, but he returned his first kickoff return for touchdown uh, this year. Any, anytime you can keep the ball out of Christian Kurt's hands, I, I think that's a, that's a good start for Muschamp and his defensive staff is to, to try to keep that guy from beating you. Yeah, Kirk is going to be a real problem for the Gamecocks, you'd have to believe, tonight. Wes, he had his sixth career return touchdown last weekend against Arkansas, took a kickoff return to the house, and 
He had three touchdowns in that ball game on just eight touches. He's got 30 games played at Texas A&M, and he scored 26 TDs in those 30 games. So he's up to fourth on the A&M all-time touchdown receiving list and uh, maybe the most exciting player in the SEC, if not the whole country, Christian Kirk. Yeah, yeah, he's good. And so, so yeah, so he had five punt returns, touchdown, and then a kickoff return. So, like you said, six total. Um, I was short him there. That, that's that's incredible, man. Yeah. Uh, and basically has almost – so 26 touchdowns in 30 games means that, you know, pretty much if this guy's on the field, there's a pretty good chance he's going to score at least a touchdown each game. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think he's up there with about anybody. Uh, you know, much chance said that the kid's as good of a football player as there is in the country. And, um, you know, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to argue against that. Uh, you know, you look at – I look around the country, some of the other playmakers – you know, maybe a, a Saquon Barkley, who I think is an absolute freak. But uh, otherwise, you look around the conference, there, there's not many guys that are as good or as accomplished yeah. as this kid. And, and you know what? They'll, they'll move him around, man. I, I think that's the thing to watch is how they move him around and get him matched up in, in different spots. And, uh, you know, the, the other A&M receivers are actually pretty young. You know, they're, they're not very experienced. Obviously, Kellen Mond isn't very experienced at quarterback either. But Christian Kirk has kind of become the, the veteran steady hand of this uh, this offensive attack for A&M. Yeah, the touchdown per touch ratio for Christian Kirk is astounding. Three touchdowns on just eight touches against Arkansas. And Wes, you know, he was so lethal as a punt returner that teams quit kicking to him. So Sumlin put him on kickoff return, and he housed one last week against Arkansas. This young man is a threat to score every time he touches the ball. Yeah, he, he really is. And, you know, you, you look at this A&M offense, you look at Kirk, and then you look at their two running backs, and uh, – you know, this is probably, you know, Kirk's the guy that probably benefits the most from having the rushing attack that they have. And I, I think for South Carolina, that's what it's going to go to. You know, Kirk is sort of the, the guy that um, tends to, like you said, it, when he gets the most of it. But then those running backs are the guys that are kind of going to be the workhorse for this A&M bunch. Um, then you, you have to account for Kellen Mond in the running game as well. He's He's a quick kid. He's got speed, but he's also got size. So, uh, you know, th- this is a group that I think um, not only are they good, but they also can wear you down defensively. Look at South Carolina's um, defensive depth. That's something we've talked about a lot this year. A&M will run tempo, but they'll also pound the ball on you and, and just sort of wear wear you down a little bit with, with sort of that three-headed monster, two backs and a quarterback. So, uh, you know, they're, they're a good football team. They're especially a good offense. You know, we, we didn't talk about it in the injury report earlier, but South Carolina does get Stephen Montak back. I think that's worth mentioning um, because they they really had to play about the same five guys all year long. Hmm. Um, you know, Montak played a bit in the opener, but I, I think maybe 10, 15 snaps at, at most. So literally since then, it, it's been the same five guys. Uh, you know, Chris Mons, DJ Smith, Demarcus King, Rashad Fenton, and Jemias Williams have played the entire game for South Carolina. So you, you look at those guys and the opportunity to maybe get them a break. Uh, Taven Jackson, the freshman cornerback, is finally uh, healthy as well. He'll make the trip. Not sure how much he'll play just because uh, that's a lot to put on him in his first action. But South Carolina does at least maybe get a little bit of help from some added depth defensively in the secondary. And uh, they, they may be forced to use that and, and 
sort of rotate some guys in and out because we, we haven't talked about tempo this week as much as we did against, you know, when we were talking about Missouri a couple of weeks ago, but, but still that, that's something very much that this A&M team is, is all about. We, we saw that, um, firsthand. I, I think you go back to what was that 2014 when A&M came in for that season opener and South Carolina was still fresh off a three eleven win season and A&M just tempoed them to death and, and pretty much started what was the decline of the end of the you know the Spurrier era. Yeah, getting Stephen Montak back is certainly good news on the injury front uh, this week. Maybe the only good bit of news on the injury front for South Carolina. So it'll certainly help having an extra player back there, you know, a veteran player, a guy that's got some experience on the back end of the defense. But, Wes, clearly the Gamecocks' ability to slow down the A&M running game is going to be key tonight. And I'm amazed at the depth of – talent at the skill positions for Texas A&M. This is Kevin Sumlin's sixth year, and that, that team is loaded at skill positions. Wes, you know, they've got three quarterbacks that they're comfortable playing. They've dealt with some injuries there, but that's what forced uh, Kellen Mond into a starting role. This is a freshman from San Antonio who is a very highly regarded prospect coming out of high school, and good instincts for Mond, Wes. You know, he keeps his eyes downfield. He threw for over 200 yards in that win over Arkansas last week, and he ran for over 100 as well. And he made just his third career start last week against Arkansas. So tonight will be his fourth start. And, you know, at running back as well, Wes, their fourth string running back had four carries for 100 yards last week against Arkansas. Yeah, and I think uh, I think when you look at those guys, just the pure um, combination of size and speed that they bring to that position is, is very, very impressive. And and like I said earlier, man, I mean, these guys, these guys recruit as well as, well as anybody. I, I think there was sort of a sense – when the year started that, um, you know, A&M maybe wasn't near as good as anybody thought they were because they they had the big sort of let down in, in game one where they let UCLA come back on them, the biggest comeback in like 10 years in college football. And then they, they've struggled a little bit with some teams that they were supposed to, you know, sort of blow out. But uh, this, this is still a very, very good football team. And you know, I, I think, uh, like you said, their running back stable is very, very impressive. Um, they're going to pound the football. They're going to wear defenses out, like I said earlier. And um, just a big test for South Carolina. And I, I think something that I, I saw against Louisiana Tech from South Carolina's defense that we haven't really seen much of this year is I, I didn't think the tackling was necessarily very clean. I, I think South Carolina's tackled pretty well for the most part this season, especially compared to last year. But I think they maybe fell into some bad habits uh, against La Tech. So, um, can, can they get these guys on the ground? And then, you know what? Rookie quarterback, the guy that's going to probably throw you two or three balls that, that are into a, a danger zone, South Carolina is going to have to complete the turnovers when they have those opportunities because from what I've seen in four games for South Carolina, that when South Carolina is A, able to force turnovers, and B, able to capitalize on turnovers, that is, when you have a short field, you go score, then they're very difficult to beat. When they don't do both of those things, you look at Kentucky, South Carolina forced the turnovers, but was not able to capitalize on the short field. You look at La Tech, South Carolina didn't force any short fields. They had to go the length of the field the entire game. Even if, even against a team like La Tech, uh, that made it difficult on them. They were not able to put up a bunch of points. The game got shortened because both teams were sort of having these long, drawn-out drives. And, and next thing you know, South Carolina almost loses the game because of, of some 
sort of mistakes along the way that they weren't able to finish drives. So I think with the young quarterback, Javaris Robinson, Will Muschamp probably going to mix in a couple of things. They'll probably try to give him some looks that he's never seen before, try and force him to make a, a few errant throws. If you're South Carolina, you got a ball in your hands on one of those plays, you've got to take advantage of it. I, I think when you look at this game, what is it, Emerson, like a nine-point line yeah. right now? That was last time I saw it. Mm-hmm. A&M by nine. Um, so, you know, wow. We we all, uh, I guess, talked about Tech and the near upset here, and the fan base is all upset. But A&M is a bigger favorite over South Carolina this week than South Carolina was over Tech last week, to put it into perspective. So um, if South Carolina is going to really make this a football game, uh, I think – to me, you always go to, to the turnover battle, and that that's kind of the great equalizer. South Carolina needs to win this turnover battle by two or three and then take advantage of those turnovers as well because, like I said, you, do, you have a freshman quarterback. This guy's not going to be perfect, but you have to then take advantage of those opportunities. We figure the Gamecocks will have their hands full with A&M running backs tonight. Williams is the game-breaker. We talked earlier this week with Mark Passwaters from AggieYale.com. He said that he thinks Williams could be an All-American and may end up being a first-round pick in the NFL draft. But their number two running back, Keith Ford, had touchdown runs of 23 and 44 yards last week against Arkansas. And I mentioned they've got a couple of other backs that they're very comfortable with. Their fourth stringer had four carries for over 100 yards in that Arkansas game last week. Game day here on Gamecock Central Radio. It's our game day podcast. Emerson Phillips with Wes Mitchell. Glad to have you along. We hope you've downloaded the Gamecock Central Radio app. We've got this free phone app that allows you to listen to our podcast on your cell phone or mobile device. You can download it on the App Store and on Google Play. Subscribe to our podcast. Search for Gamecock Central Radio on iTunes, SoundCloud, and other popular services, or just visit radio.gamecockcentral.com. And we're going to go to the Gamecock Central hotline here in just a moment. We've set up this new phone line that allows you to call in and be a part of our podcast here on GCR. The number is 803-497-9058. 497-9058, the Gamecock Central hotline. You can call in, leave a question about Gamecock football or an upcoming opponent, and Wes Mitchell and Chris Clark will answer your questions on a future edition of Gamecock Central Radio. We'll play the recording of your voice on a future podcast. So, Wes, let's talk about uh, Gamecock offense for a moment. We talked extensively about the A&M offense, high-powered. They figured, you know, be in position to score a lot of points tonight, provided they don't turn the football over. And uh, let's talk about the Gamecock offense now. Shut out for three quarters last week against Louisiana Tech. Wes, I know A&M's defense has struggled, but I've got to believe that their defense is much more athletic and bigger than Louisiana Tech. So what reason is there to believe that the Gamecocks are going to be able to move the football tonight? How much of last week's struggles do you think are attributable to the fact that it was the first game without Debo Samuel? Debo had been so important through the first three weeks of the season, and the Gamecocks didn't have him last week. Wes, how much of a factor was that? Yeah, you know, I think there is uh, a semblance of that to to what happened. And, uh, you know, I think the answer to that first part of that question is that, you know, every game – Steve Spurrier always said every game stands on its own merit. So, um, you know, can they possibly turn around and play much better than they did last week? Uh, I think so. You know, you look at the first two weeks of the year and everybody felt really good about South Carolina 2-0 and against two what we thought were pretty good teams. Come to find out, Missouri's not a very good team. NC State actually is a pretty darn good team, I think. So South Carolina probably wasn't as good as we thought they were um, after those first two. 
they're probably not quite as bad as some people think they are after these last two. But certainly, I, I think the offense is going to have to execute better. I, I know um, a lot of fans have, have put that on Kurt Roper, the offense coordinator, and, and put it on play calling. I don't necessarily put it on play calling, but I, I think at, at the end of the day, you're getting to the point four or five weeks into the year where you know it, it is on the offensive staff um, to, to put the offense in a position to, or, or ultimately what I'm trying to say is that the success or non-success of the offense ultimately does fall on the shoulders of the, of the offensive staff. So I think they have to look at what they can continue to do to put those guys in a position to execute better because, to me, it hasn't necessarily really been the play call and it's been more the execution because you look at you look at the game against La Tech, uh, South Carolina had nine o- offensive possessions. Again, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, the fact that the game was shortened. Both 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 sides are using a very methodical style of offense, and you don't have many turnovers. You don't have any short fields. Both not many three and outs either. So both sides are just possessing the ball the entire game. You have nine offensive possessions. South Carolina only punted on two of those possessions, um, and they scored on three of those possessions. So then the other four possessions were actually uh, negated by two missed field goals, um, an interception, and a fumble. And then uh, you had a missed throw on a third down, and you had a bad snap. So you, you go through all the drives in the game and you can kind of see exactly what went wrong to throw those drives off. So it, when you have plays that are open but are missed, to me that, that goes back to execution. Ultimately, execution falls on the coaches to put the guys in a position to execute. I know everybody wants to see more plays and different type of plays. When, when a team fails to execute consistently, Emerson, I actually kind of go the opposite direction. I wonder if they don't, at times, with a bunch of new guys out there, need to simplify a little bit more. Because you have guys open, you have plays that are open, and you don't necessarily execute it. The difference in it being correct and incorrect can be, you know, a matter of six inches. The way you hone in those six inches is repetition, repetition, doing the same thing over and over. If you simplify the playbook and you do those things more consistently in practice is going to translate to the football field. West Gamecock running back Tyshawn Williams got zero carries in the win over NC State to open the year. He came back the following week. Gamecocks got him 14 carries and led the team in rushing. The next week, zero carries against Kentucky. Despite the fact that he was on the field for 21 plays, he didn't get a single carry. So last week, the Gamecocks fed him to football, and he led the team in rushing again and scored that big touchdown in the fourth quarter that helped uh, lead the Gamecocks comeback. So has Tyson Williams entrenched himself in the Gamecock offensive game plan at this point? i got to believe he's going to get carries every week the rest of the year, provided he's healthy, Wes. Oh, yeah. I think right now he's the guy. You know, he got the start this past week. Um, he was able to take advantage of that, especially in the in the first quarter. I thought they made a concerted effort to get him the football and establish the run. And then, you know, in, in the fourth quarter, he, he came up with that big touchdown run as well where he – hit the hole really hard, and I, I think what you've seen from, from Tyson's two sort of big second-half runs, one at Missouri and one against La Tech this past week, is that I, I think his vision and his feel for the game maybe gets a little bit better 
as his number of carries goes up. Uh, Jake Bentley mentioned this week how uh, they had a very similar play on with a very similar poll that Tyson sort of hesitated into the hole early in the game. Well, then late in the game, there's a big hole. He explodes through it, gets to the second level, outruns the defense, and scores a, a touchdown that, that really helped South Carolina win the game this past week. So I, I think you have to make a concerted effort to get him the football. And, uh, you know, Emerson, there will probably be times where South Carolina is unable to run the ball tonight, but I think you almost have to be a little bit stubborn. Um, it's going to get frustrating to watch as a fan at times if you're listening, but sometimes even if you're only getting one, two yards a carry, you have to keep running the ball just to kind of keep the other team a little bit honest. You have to keep chopping wood. So I think for South Carolina tonight, get Tyson Williams the football, and even when it's not going well, maybe keep feeding him the football and then hope that he can kind of chip away as the game goes along. But if you're going to do that, when they have these opportunities for these other plays and they have these open uh, passing routes, South Carolina's going to have to hit those on a little bit higher clip than they have so far this year. They get, to me, the word is efficiency. they got to be a little bit more efficient on offense if they're going to have success. West, the Gamecocks' problems in the place-kicking game evident at this point. South Carolina's really struggled to make field goals at times this year, but Parker White did make the game winner last week. So do you think White, after making that kick, his confidence is up now? Maybe the Gamecocks will be at least an average kicking team moving forward, or maybe you know White's confidence is shot up after the game winner, and the Gamecocks will be more consistent in a field goal game? Yeah, I think that was a huge kick for him, man. You know, he missed some kicks early on, but a lot of a lot of his kicks were, were long, you know, you're you're asking the guy to hit deep field goals yeah. and those are sort of low percentage in the first place and um he it's not like he just missed the ball on, on a lot of these and, and kicked it very errant. He he's had some very near misses. I, I was very happy for the kid personally just because I, I think if you're I think if you boo a college walk on kicker, then uh you're absolutely like scum of the earth uh personally like if you if you're booing i mean if you're booing a kid who's a walk-on who is just doing the best he can um then you should really just leave the game like i don't really care if you pay for your ticket like that's that's crap so for the kid to go out there and, and hit the game winner um to, to me was was pretty awesome for him I, I know he had to be he had to be completely nervous i, I know anybody would have been in that situation but I think that gives him a little bit of confidence moving forward. And, uh, and the, I mean, the kid's got a great leg. I think everybody can see that. Like, the ball comes off his foot um, explosively. Like, if the ball goes a long way, it's not a lot. It's not a low line drive like some kickers have. Like, the ball has a good trajectory. He hits it pretty smoothly. Uh, I think he just needed to see something good happen. Obviously, it'll be a little bit different this week on the road, Texas A&M. But, um, hey, he's probably not going to get booed this weekend, so – uh, maybe, maybe he can get a little bit of confidence going. All right, Wes, a couple other items to get to here today. We're going to go to the Gamecock Central hotline in just a moment, and I'd, I'd like to talk with you about uh, Kevin Sumlin a little bit as well. But first, let me be candid with you, Wes. Coming into this game, clearly Texas A&M has not been a good matchup for South Carolina. A&M's beaten the Gamecocks three straight, and it's just a team that the Gamecocks have not matched up well with for whatever reason. A&M is very talented, very skilled. And a big offensive and defensive line. You know, they've had quality players, number one pick in the NFL draft last year. And 
A&M's been good. Manziel won the Heisman there a few years ago. So A&M's been a, a quality program that has given the Gamecocks a lot of problems. Coming into the game, Wes, I thought this would be a trouble game for South Carolina. You know, playing on the road, obviously, uh, 12th man at Kyle Field is going to be a problem for South Carolina. Uh, that's if the Gamecocks were at 100% health-wise, Wes. And the fact is they're not yeah. even close to 100% health-wise. And that's cause for concern for me, Wes. I think the Gamecocks you know, are, are facing a tall order tonight with no Debo, no Bryson Allen Williams, and Zach Bailey and Corey Helms out, plus you know other assorted injuries here and there. I just think it's a tall order tonight, Wes. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough, man. You know, they, uh, they've sort of circled the wagons in, in practice this week and um, taken kind of us against the world. Uh, change the narrative has been a phrase that I've I've heard has sort of permeated practice this week uh, because they want to change the narrative about what this football team um, is right now. And, you know, I, I think all of that is good and well, but then at the end of the day, it's all about matchups and execution on the football field. Like you said, it is a tough matchup for South Carolina. Um, but at, at the same time, it's, to me, I kind of look at it as a nothing-to-lose type situation. Nobody's really expecting them to win this game. Uh, they did drop one to Kentucky that uh, a lot of people thought they would win. So we all said at the time there's going to be several opportunities for them to maybe steal one back. This is just one of those opportunities. Uh, big picture, I-, I think if they could somehow find a way to split the next two at A&M, Arkansas at home next week, then that puts them in really, really good shape moving forward. So, um, And you know what, Emerson, I- I've been following and covering South Carolina athletics for long enough. It just doesn't feel like whenever there's a little bit too much hype about the Gamecocks, they they tend to disappoint. And then whenever literally no one's counting on them, they uh, they tend to find a way to at least uh, steal a game or two. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see them go down there, maybe not win the game, but surprise people and play really well. Uh, they were completely outmanned by A&M two years ago with an interim coach. And uh, and Perry Orth goes down there and and has a huge first quarter against those guys and and had that like seventy something yard run and and South Carolina nearly pulled off the upset and, and only lost thirty five to twenty eight in that game. Um, you never know what can happen in college football. That's what makes it a beautiful game. So um, I, I'm I'm excited just to see what these guys can do. It's, it's an opportunity for them. If they lose, then nobody's going to bat an eye. But if they get on there and, yeah. and find a way to win, then all of a sudden. They're, they're right back on, on schedule. So, um, But I, I do think, to me, and I, I'm really – some people will listen and it'll go in one ear out the other. I'm not saying it as an excuse. I'm really not. So, like Muschamp said, you, nobody nobody's going to feel sorry for South Carolina. But sure. I, I think if you had a Debo Samuel, um, you know, and, and obviously a Bryce Hine Williams, Zach Bailey as well, but the game-breaking ability of Debo – to possibly keep South Carolina in games like this, um, then we maybe you're talking about a little different conversation. Not that South Carolina would be favored, they would, but uh, I think you, I think the explosiveness, the opportunity for those big plays that change games, um, Debo just ha- he, he brings that to the table, and without that, you, you lose that element. So I, I think that that that's just a, a huge huge loss for South Carolina, but. Um, that, hey, that opens the window. Maybe an Orchard Smith or a Shy Smith, or you know, we saw Brian Edwards go make a few more plays this past week. So uh, it's an opportunity for the next guy to step up and start making a name for himself. Yeah, it's not like the Gamecocks are bereft of talent with Debo out, and South Carolina's only played the one game without Debo. But clearly, the offense just wasn't the same without Debo Samuel last week. 
and I'm still interested to see, you know, what the Gamecocks are going to do to try to make big plays on offense now that Debo is not available. And, Wes, another thing I'm interested to see is the uh, continued progression or development of Kellen Mond, the quarterback for A&M. You know, this guy has only made three starts, and he, he played a hell of a ball game last week against Arkansas. So will he continue to progress, or will he take a step back at some point? You know, I, I how good is this kid going to be? He's shown tremendous potential, and I think he's – you know, maybe the best QB in the conference that people aren't talking about right now, and that's because he's new. He's just a freshman, but he's been very impressive in the short time that he's been on the field for A&M. So what's Kellen Mond going to do tonight, and how are the Gamecocks going to combat him or counter him tonight? One of the interesting angles to tonight's ball game, and Wes, another angle that I want to talk about with you is the Kevin Sumlin situation. You know, Sumlin, since he lost to UCLA, A&M blew a 44-10 to lead, UCLA came back and beat him 45-44. And, you know, Sumlin was considered to be on the hot seat going into that game before the season even started. And then when they blew that huge lead against UCLA, uh, the temperature under his seat has only gone up dramatically. And I get the impression that a lot of folks in College Station just don't care for Kevin Sumlin personally. Now, part of it's football. Don't get me wrong. They went 8-5 and five last year. They have invested $500 million <laughs> into their football program, stadium improvements, facilities upgrades, you name it. And they went 8-5 and five last year. That's not the kind of return that I think A&M boosters, big money people, uh, expect on that kind of investment. So for whatever reason, Wes, Sumlin seems to have fallen out of favor, at least in certain circles among the A&M fan base. Yeah, he has. And, you know, you look, um, I thought it was a very interesting piece. Um, and, I, God, I can't remember which paper it was, but that talked to Eric Hyman. Um, I think that was last week, and he, uh, you know, of course, former Gamecocks AD, former Texas A&M AD, and he talked about the political nature of uh, Texas A&M athletics and uh, the fact that A&M just threw all sort of, I think probably a little bit prematurely, threw all this money at Kevin Sumlin and uh, huge buyouts and and all this stuff because they were worried about maybe somebody else coming in and stealing them, I guess. And now you sort of just have an, you know, I, I guess unrest is probably the, the word that I would go to. And, uh, you know, and it's not it's not just at A&M, man. I, I look around the SEC. How, how many fan bases right now are truly happy? Uh, it, it ain't many of them. Like, I mean, the Alabama fans are just spoiled. But they, they should be happy to an extent, um, you know. But you look around, you look at – I mean, shoot, dude. South Carolina has gotten a defense coordinator fired because Missouri fired their D.C. right after that game. Um, they, they've got a chance to get someone fired this week. Uh, Brett Bielema's seat will get hotter next week. Yep. And then uh, – and shoot, man, Butch Jones has been needing ice for three years. So, um, so Butch uh, – if Butch loses to South Carolina for the second straight year, uh, and is a guy that just inevitably has not shown he can beat Will Muschamp at all, uh, you know South Carolina has has a chance to really warm up some some SEC hot seats uh, in the coming month or so. Yeah, interesting that Sumlin was uh, very popular when they had Johnny Manziel and they were winning a lot of football games, and now funny how that works. Yeah, right, and now. You know, it was just two or three years ago, Wes, that people were talking about Sumlin could become a head coach in the NFL. 
you know, I remember he was mentioned in connection with a couple of NFL openings, you know, two or three years ago, and now he came into 2017 on the hot seat, and the loss to UCLA really compounded that for him. And, Wes, you know, if the Gamecocks beat A&M tonight, someone may not make it through the end of the week. <laughs> he, he really might not. And I, I think, uh, like I said, man, they're, they're going to have the opportunity against several coaches on the hot seat. So, um, you know, if you're someone, you might almost wish this was more of like a pick em type game. No no coach wants to see that, that nine up there uh, as far as the spread goes and then possibly lose. So, uh, you know, that, that – and I've really struggled, Emerson, to be honest, to like to make a pick for this game because A and M has the better athletes. Of that, I am sure. Um, but this A this A and M team, man, like they have just at times found a way to 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 mess up a good thing, to mess up a good situation. I mean, how how many teams in any level of football can say they've blown a forty four to ten lead? Mm. I mean that that's insane. So I, you know, does a and can a and M get out of its own way and win this game, or does South Carolina find a way to hang around? If the Gamecocks find a way to hang around and that confidence just goes up and goes up, goes up, then then I'm at the point, Emerson, where I don't bet against the Gamecocks because this team, if anything, they they're been a little bit overmatched at times. They're not the most talented team in the conference right now by any means, but they have a true competitor at quarterback in Jake Bentley, and I think the character of this South Carolina team is one that's that's not going to lay down. Uh, you know, they they keep fighting to the end. I, I thought that was as ugly as it was. That was a character building win over La Tech. So I'm I'm curious to see how they go out and play. If they don't turn the football over and they make A and M actually beat them then I, I think they can hang around in this game. All right, South Carolina, an eight or eight-and-a-half point underdog, depending on where you look. And the total right now is at 49, 49-and-a-half. So, Wes, you know, I'm curious to know, is this going to be a shootout tonight? Neither team's defense has been lights out, although the Gamecocks are improved defensively. Uh, Muschamp said earlier this week that A&M is the most explosive offense that South Carolina will have faced to date here in 2017. So, you know, it could be another high-scoring affair, particularly if the Gamecocks are able to find some consistency on offense and a little bit more identity than they had last week versus Louisiana Tech without Debo Samuel. If the Gamecocks play a little better on offense tonight and have a little bit more you know, sense of purpose and what they're going to do with the football, who they're going to pass to, and that's like, that type of thing, we could see a shootout tonight. And uh, on that note, let's go to the Gamecock Central Hotline, 803-497-9058. We got our first call of the day. And a question about tonight's game against Texas A&M. Hello, I am Robert Youngson, Jr. And my questions that I might have is now that we have Louisiana Tech out of the way, do you, how do you think we will face against Texas A&M? In my opinion, I think it will be all offensive game because of A&M last week because their defense looked like they didn't play well versus Arkansas. That's my question. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the phone call, Robert. Uh, what do you think, Wes? What kind of game can we expect tonight? Yeah, I, I keep going back to, and, and maybe it's just because the numbers are in my head from looking over this series, but I keep thinking low 30s to high 20s is what kind of comes to my head. I, I'm I'm going to pick A&M, but, um, you know, I, I guess that puts it over on that over-under you mentioned, but I, I wouldn't, this day and age, I wouldn't call, 35 to 28, you know, a shootout. I, I think South Carolina 
and force some, maybe force a field goal or two, um, maybe a turnover or two, and keep this game close. Like, like I said, the thing I go back to is that for whatever reason, some way, somehow, the South Carolina defense tends to find a way to keep South Carolina in game. So I, I don't foresee A and M just hammering them. And again, I go back to a freshman quarterback. Uh, these guys, Muschamp and T. Rob, are as good in the country at finding little details defensively to try and maybe throw a wrinkle here, a wrinkle there. I think they'll have something for mine to try to get him into a couple of issues and, and maybe a turnover here, a turnover there, if South Carolina can take advantage of it. So um, that, that to me, is sort of the underlying, uh, like you mentioned earlier, the, the fact this Mon kid, can he continue to get better? Um, the underlying part of that is can Muschamp and T-Rob maybe find something that he's not seen or a, a little wrinkle defensively that puts him in a, in a position to, to, to not play as well or to make a big mistake or two. Um, now, we say all that, South Carolina still has to go out there and be able to put enough pressure on this kid to force him into those mistakes. All right, let's check in with uh, Mark Passwater. He joined us earlier this week on Gamecock Central Radio. Good podcast up right now on GCR on the Texas A&M perspective. If you want more information on the Texas A&M angle coming into the game, you can listen to that podcast with Mark Passwater. It's from AggieYell.com. And Mark joins us right now for Texas A&M's Keys to Victories tonight. Three keys to victory for A&M. One, stay balanced. Run the football. That's what they did well last year at Carolina when Trevor Knight kind of struggled. They've got the running game to do it. They need to keep the pressure off of Kellen Mond. If they can do that, then they're in good shape. Two, they need to get pressure on Jake Bentley. If Bentley has time, A&M secondary has been awful so far. It's 120th in the nation. You saw what Josh Rosen did to it. They gave up you know, an ungodly amount of yards in the fourth quarter to Austin Allen last weekend. You know, the opportunities will be there to get big plays if AM does not get pressure on Bentley. And three, finish. This has been the problem for AM for several years now. We saw it against UCLA. They struggled with it again against Arkansas. You know, there's a history of letting off the gas in the fourth quarter. They have to close things out. Not only just to win this game, but to prove to themselves that they can do it because they're going to need to finish or at least be able to put up a solid fight in the next couple of weeks as they go to Gainesville and, of course, when they play Alabama at Kyle Field. That's Mark Passwater from AggieYell.com giving us Texas A&M's keys, and we'll now send it over to Colin Taylor, staff writer for Gamecock Central. Colin's got Gamecock keys to victory tonight. So, obviously, South Carolina, it's a, it's a huge test for them this week. Texas A&M runs the ball about as well as anybody, not only in the SEC, but in the country, and Gamecocks have had a hard time stopping the run uh, this season. Kalamon's a very good quarterback, and they got a, a lot of guys that can do some damage uh, in big plays. I think that's going to be a huge key. The South Carolina can stop Texas A&M's big play offense, then I think they have a shot. And obviously they have to be able to run the ball. Then they're going to have to put up some points. So uh, have the run sub pass, and then from there, uh, I think that you know the offense is really going to start clicking on all cylinders. I think it's a tough matchup for South Carolina just because Texas A&M does the things well that South Carolina doesn't defend well. So it's going to be a test. But I think if they can run the ball to set up the pass and stop A&M's run game, I think that's going to be uh, the two biggest things for South Carolina this week. 
There you have it, Wes. Gamecock keys to victory tonight from our staff writer, Colin Taylor. It's going to be an interesting ball game. I, you know, Wes, I feel like the Gamecocks have nothing to lose tonight with the injury situation, particularly nobody's picking South Carolina to win tonight. They are a decided underdog against A&M, and, you know, A&M's had problems defensively, and if they're not as sharp offensively as they've been the last couple of weeks, you know, they could have some problems tonight. So the Gamecocks have everything to gain, nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. That, that's it, man. They And they have to go play like that. I, I think at times, South Carolina has played a bit tight. Uh, I I think the the last two games compared to the first two, uh, I thought they played very loose and uh, executed in the first two games. They haven't necessarily done that these last two um, in a weird way. Maybe going on the road with nothing to lose and everything to gain um, kind of takes the pressure off a little bit. But um, I, I'm excited to see what happens. Um, you know, I, I think it, it could end up being a pretty decent football game and. Uh, like I said, if they could hang around into the fourth quarter and shorten this game, then, then anything could happen from that point. All right, good stuff, Wes. We appreciate you joining us on the Gamecock Central Game Day podcast once again. 7.30 kickoff tonight on the SEC Network. The Gamecocks are in College Station to take on Texas A&M. Thanks very much, Wes. All right, thanks, man. Have a good one. That's Wes Mitchell. I'm Emerson Phillips. I want to send along our thanks to Colin Taylor and Mark Passwaters. Mark is with AggieL.com. And my name is Emerson Phillips. We appreciate you joining us here on the GCR Game Day Podcast. <laughs>